This is a continuation of the Yankton 4 slash Rouse case. If you haven't listened to our previous episodes on this series, we encourage you to go back and listen to those first for context. In today's episode, we will be continuing our conversation with Mike Ware. You know, there, there, there was um, a really interesting decision that came out of the Fifth Circuit, um, which is, you know, the circuit Texas is in, the Intermediate Federal Circuit. Uh, it's uh, the Weary case, W-E-A-R-Y, I believe. And it probably is going to get overruled by a majority of the court. Uh, but right now, a three-judge panel has ruled that the prosecutor's behavior in manufacturing false evidence was so egregious that um, that that he he or she cannot take advantage of of, of uh, official immunity that that they can be sued. Awesome. Good. Yeah, because that's it's probably you know, a short it's probably short lived because, you know, the 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 city, the 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 county, uh, the process, you know, representing the, the prosecutors will, will will ask that the entire court here. And, and, and actually, that's what happened in the Rouse case. Originally, their original convictions were reversed. And then um, the government asked that the entire court, Eighth Circuit, hear it rather than just a three-judge panel. And on on rehearing, the reversal got reversed. Uh, and and so that that is likely to happen in this case. I'm I'm talking about. I hope it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but at least for the time being, it, it's a victory, although maybe a short-lived one. It's a step and in the right direction. Yeah, then they'll, they'll have to argue against it, at least, and they'll probably, you know, be successful. But then you have their words out there in the public arguing against right. prosecutors, you know, that it should be illegal to manufacture evidence. Yeah. You know, however they're going to do that. There should be but. some accountability for manufacturing false evidence. Yes. 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 You shouldn't Definitely. think, yeah, you would think that would just automatically be a thing, like. People would tell the truth and <laughs> not manufacture things. But I uh, hear a lot that people comment and, and ask, why don't they just sue? And it seems that people don't know that that's not how the criminal justice system works. Right. Right. Yeah. That's 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 true. I didn't know so until a lot I, less. Yeah, I didn't know until this case how things were messed up. Well, I, through the Truth and Justice podcast, I know I've seen, you know, a lot of the cases that I just don't understand how these people even got convicted. Right. And, you know, that's what led me to the Innocence Project with um, um, these cases uh, and Truth and Justice. And that's where I met Ellen through. So, oh, okay. Um, how did you get involved in the with the Innocence Project in the beginning? Well, I, I, I co-founded uh-huh. Innocence Project wow. yeah, in 2006. Wow. Nice. That's, that's, I'm very um, glad that you did that because, you know, there are so many, I can't believe how many um, wrongful convictions that I've been finding. It's just, you know, people are, are saying to me, oh, you think everybody is wrongly, wrongfully convicted? And I'm like, no, I know there are many that are there in prison rightfully. 
but you don't understand how many wrongful convictions there are. Well, I, I oh, actually, nobody, nobody does. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing I didn't understand because going into this one, I always believe everybody's guilty. All right. There has to be some kind of there has to be some overwhelming evidence proving that Desmond and his cousins committed some kind of crime or why would they be in jail? Oh, was I wrong? So I actually, uh, as well as learning a lot on that, I read on your website that your project, well, the Innocence Project receives 50 to 75 pieces of mail a week and 50 percent of those are brand new cases. So if you even if you just do the math and consider that a quarter of them are innocent, it's probably higher than that. But if a quarter are innocent, that's hundreds of there's like 300 a year that you get that are actually innocent if it's only a quarter. And those are probably just a very small amount that you're hearing. Like you said, this is astronomical. Like there's, it's so big. People need to start looking at it and taking action before it gets to this point. I, I, I agree. Um, and I, I'm aware of a case of a possible wrongful conviction coming up. Um, Mike, I'm sure you're aware of the, um, it actually was a year ago today, um, little Cash German was found murdered. He's four year old in Dallas. He was found on the street. Um, they have video of a young man taking him out of the bed where his twin brother was. Um, well, I know the grandmother um, because um, I, I met her a long time ago through another group. And she came to me asking me, she thinks that this, this man is going to be wrongfully convicted. She believes that he, there's video of him taking cash out of the crib. But she thinks that was his job. He was mentally slow. And she believes that someone had told him, go get one of the boys or go get cash. And he just went in and picked him up and took him and gave that him to whoever killed him. Wow, that's awful. That's yeah. Anything about that case, but it it's awful. I, I mean, I'll, I'll say, you know, um, cases like that obviously get the headlines, but they're not they're not typical of crime in America, you know. No. Um, I mean, most crimes uh, are committed by people who know the people they're committing the crimes against. Um, and, uh, you know, the, I mean, that, that sound, what you're describing is just a nightmare. It sounds absolutely awful. But it, yeah. and, and like I said, if, if, if you're going to talk about them, obviously that's a horrible um, um, crime that happened. But it's, it's when addressing a crime problem in America, it's not typical of, of what is crime is considered a crime in America. So many, there are so many crimes that are number one, that are nonviolent. So many crimes that are, you know, victimless. Um, and uh, nevertheless, they become part of the statistics that police departments use to boost their um, funding and politicians use to fearmonger and get reelected because they're quote unquote tough on crime. And, uh, and, and, and the libs are soft on crime and, uh, you know, um, and, and gives, 
you know, the Ted Cruz's and Josh Hawley's, the, the um, perceived moral high ground to harangue people like uh, Justice Jackson uh, for having been a public defender at some point in her career because she's defending people like that, you know. Um, but anyway, I, I'm that that sounds like a, that sounds like something I should read up about. Like I said, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, there's there's a lot more to it. The, um, this was a trap house. The the father had taken the twin boys from Houston and disappeared with them. Ended up here in Dallas left the boys with a friend of his and he took off because there was a warrant for his arrest. And then it was, the boys were in her care for like three months. And then um, little cash was taken from his bed and found murdered. Um, the, the person who took him came back. There's uh, videos on uh, YouTube about this case. Um, you could see that the, because there was a, a, a monitor in not even a baby monitor, but a, a camera in the room that that caught this on video. He came back to get the, the other little boy, but he never something spooked him or something. You could see him turn his head and then he walks away. Yeah. <laughs> but but generally, like like with this case, sometimes I would understand why that would heighten the risk of wrongful convictions. If there are rages or something terrible has happened, you know, people or you know, police are pressured to catch yes. someone and convict someone. Well, so yes. Also, on that note, do you experience now uh, that uh, wrongful convictions are still happening on the same scale as always? Well, you know, that's something that's very difficult to measure um, because, you know, generally, we do not become aware that of a wrongful conviction until years later. Um, I, 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 I think that there is at least increased public awareness of, of the genuine phenomena of wrongful convictions has probably, probably chilled some prosecutorial misconduct. You know, uh, I would hope so. It, it is, you know, it, it at least presents an alternative narrative to what has been the the complete narrative so far, which is if they're in court, they're guilty, you know. And and so at least there is a potential alternative narrative to that, which is maybe they should be presumed innocent, you know. Right. Uh, what the law says. Yeah. Um, but but you know, you make a really good point, and that is. From what I've read, studies show that the more serious and, I guess, despicable the accusations, the less evidence it takes to convict somebody. Um, That's sad, but true, right? Yeah, yeah and in this case, this, this young man will be convicted because... You know, the, they have him on video taking the boy out of the crib and then he finds they find him dead. He's the last yeah. known person to have him. So, yeah. you know, if he was doing it on someone else's orders, that's not going to come out. Well, I, I don't know anything about that case. But, uh, sure. um, but it is a good point about uh, evidence and 
the correlation between evidence and accusations because it sure does seem like the the more wild the accusations are, the less you know evidence there is, and you know it's all about the narrative and the uh, you know they're showing the crime scene photos to the jury and you know in, in all going detail. Yeah, and yeah it, it should be a red flag to see. Why don't present the evidence if yours is your? I think I think when the accusations are horrible, and that the jurors tend to think, well, we better not take any chances. <laughs> we better we better even though there's not much evidence to support the accusations, we better just go ahead and convict. Right. Yeah, because they don't understand how difficult it is to to overturn the conviction when they're wrong. I mean. We, 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 you know, among other things, um, what the studies seem to show is that um, jailhouse informants, jailhouse misinformants, as I call them, mm-hmm. are mostly used in the, the most high profile cases where the evidence is the weakest. And... Um, and, and they're used in high pro- where the evidence is weak, they need to manufacture some evidence, which is what jailhouse misinformant testimony is, is manufactured evidence. Mm-hmm. So so they're they're more likely to testify in, in innocence cases because the prosecutor wouldn't be using them if their if their case was otherwise attacked. Right. right. And 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 they're also most likely to be used in the most serious cases, the ones in which are high profile and they need the convictions because they are high profile. And, and of course, that's, you know, uh, a formula for wrongful convictions. Or cold cases, mm-hmm. cold case. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I don't mean to laugh, but we, Ellen and I know of a case that the only evidence against the man was jailhouse informants. It was a case that had gone cold for 10 years. And they picked someone and got, what was it, 12 jailhouse, 10, 10 jailhouse informants. And that's the only evidence that they had. This man's been in prison for 20 years now on this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in Illinois, and in, in the um, uh, Illinois Innocence Project has his case. So, you know, we don't mean to laugh, but yeah, if you have any evidence at all, why do you need a jailhouse informant? Right. Well, for two reasons, you don't have evidence and you need a conviction. Yeah. Yeah. And I was also, there's also a, I just get worried because I know that a very small percentage of uh, cases actually goes to trial. And, you know, in my mind, you will only go to trial if you're pretty convinced that you're innocent or if you're crazy serial killer and want the fame and attention but because it seems like a huge risk to take that's that's true in a lot of cases but that presupposes that that the uh, prosecutor has made an offer that that has been turned down many times um the prosecutors if they do not make a reasonable offer and and the only choice someone has is to go to trial Absolutely. But but that just also makes you think how many people plead guilty to something they're not guilty of. 
a lot. Because, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we need um, more better informed jurors. I don't know how we go about that unless we go to a, a system of uh, professional jurors. Yeah, that's a that's a tough thing. I, you know, um, you know, how about jurors that just can engage in critical thinking? Mm-hmm. They have to have some training. I do believe that jurors, I've, I've been on, sat on several trials and I think that definitely need to have some kind of training, not just a quick overview. It needs to be a little bit more in depth than that. I've never got chosen. Well, no, I take that back. I got chosen twice. But the first one, the defendant didn't show up, and the second one, they settled out of court. So I never really served on a jury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like you said, Mike, uh, also the the public who who are the potential jurors have been fed this narrative about yes. how courts work and who's the hero and who's the yes. safety defense attorney and yes, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, hard. That- that's why I said better informed juries because they need to know that prosecutors prosecutors can and do lie. They hide evidence. They, you know, uh, one case on truth and justice. The um, the main witness saw the defendant sitting in the courtroom and she said, "That isn't him. That's not the man I saw." And the prosecutor said, "Stick to your story." And they successfully prosecuted an innocent person. The prosecutor knew right then and there, that he was not the man and continued the prosecution. That was in Houston. What case was that? Um, That's, um, oh my gosh, my mind just went blank. Um, Ellen? Yeah, I know. (laughs) I can't do it. Um, What? No. that was, uh, oh, hold on, I'll tell you. Um, Pablo? Pablo uh, Velez. Pablo yeah. Velez. That's it. Yeah. So. I believe I've heard of that case. That's a death penalty case, isn't it? No. Pablo? Oh, okay. That's not death penalty, is it? I, I may be thinking I of it. Think, I don't <laughs> think that one's death penalty. Um, he's got... I think he was sentenced to life. I don't think it was death. But yeah, that's, you know, that's a a, a case of blatant misconduct. I mean, th- that's when I think the the um, prosecution said, the judge, we need to hold on here a minute. We need to, you know, investigate this a little further. Instead, she said, well, the, the witness isn't going to be able to identify the Defendant, because it's been two years, he looks different. I, I often hear the argument that the um, uh, trial is so expensive. So if you have to do a new trial and everything, you know, that would just be the taxpayer money. And I don't think that people realize how many uh, money the state spends on denying appeals or, you know. Sure. Incarcerating innocent people. That's a, there's a big charge there. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and and when they fight the appeals, you know, they sometimes spend years and uh, unbelievable amounts of money instead of just testing evidence, for example. Yeah. 
when, when they find to test the evidence, they say, oh, that will be so expensive, we can't do that. Yeah, we, we've got a case that illustrates that point right now out of um, McAllen, Texas, and in the Valley, where um, we're trying to test some DNA, and uh, the state fought us, but we won the hearing for the to get the testing at the trial level, but now the state's appealing yeah. to, to try, you know, to appeal the judge's ruling, allowing us to test, so, you yeah. know. That's an illustration of what you're talking about. Um, Mike, I recently saw a demonstration of the MVAC and found out that we don't have an MVAC here in North Texas. I, I don't, we don't. We don't have a lab that uses that technique? I guess. They, yeah. Um, I'm but, not sure that's true. Um, I mean, maybe it is. Um, you know, I'm... The only lab I know for sure that uses that technique is in Florida. Um, but it seems like there may be one. I, I don't know for sure. Yeah, it was really interesting to, to watch that and to understand that he said you need a half a nanogram of DNA to get a full DNA profile. And with the MBAC, you can get 100,000 times that. Wow. I don't know why it's not being used more. I understand that it destroys the evidence, but it doesn't really. It puts it all on a disc. It doesn't destroy yeah. it. They only need a portion of that disc to to do the, the testing. Yeah. Well, it's it's amazing what they can do now. And I'm sure, um, I mean, it's it's relatively new technology now. And I'm sure other labs, if, if it... <coughs> continues to, to succeed, um, I'm sure other labs will um, pick up on it. I don't know, but it, there, there may be some patent issues. I don't know, but. Yeah. I, I, I work for a company that actually manufactures scientific equipment, and I'm just going to go put it out there that it's too expensive right now um, because I know what they charge for some other things. So I'm going to guess that that might be something that's an issue. Well, according to now the the man that did the demonstration, um, Jared Bradley, he's the owner. His father invented the machine. Oh, okay. And he which, said, which lab is he associated with? I think it's in California. It is. Okay. It's in California. Um, but he said that um, the machine and the testing cost less than buying a new squad car. Forty four thousand dollars. Oh, he said. Wow. Well, yeah. that's really reasonable. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I thought he was going to say one hundred and forty-four. He said no, forty-four thousand dollars. That's for the machine and mm -hmm. the the training. And it would seem like great news for truth, justice, and um, wrongfully convicted people that there's new technology and everything. But I've I've seen in some most famously the uh, Central Park Five, where the prosecutor will then just argue that just because someone else's DNA is there. It just means that there were more people committing the crime. Yeah. yeah. But you would think they'd want to identify the additional perpetrators, wouldn't exactly. you? Exactly. You would. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you would. Yeah. That's, yeah, but no, they don't care as long as they have one person. Um, another case out of uh, Houston that we're aware of through Truth and Justice, um, Jennifer Jeffley, um, the, the prosecution never contended that she actually committed the murder, but that she was a lookout but they never looked for the people that she was a lookout for. You know, they were just like, okay, well, we got 
this 15 year old black girl will just put her in prison for life. She was sentenced to life. Wow. And at, at 15. And they never, you know, she was never, she, they never contended that she was the actual murderer. But I think that I, I always I always think that's a red flag when someone is convicted as a party to an offense and the prosecutors never seriously look for the other party. Exactly. You know? I mean, I've I we we had I mean several cases come to mind, but we had a case uh in Dallas, Patrick Waller case, where Patrick we were able to get Patrick exonerated eventually. But um, you know, it was a uh, I mean, there were several eyewitnesses to this crime, and they all said there were two guys doing it. And um, Patrick, um, and, and because of police misconduct, Patrick became the suspect. And 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 they got the eyewitnesses to pick him out, which he didn't do it. But we were able to get him exonerated through DNA. <coughs> And and actually identify, <coughs> we actually identified through CODIS uh, the actual perpetrator <coughs> who we who we brought to the grand jury and who identified. Well, no, we we questioned him and he identified his co-actor. And so when so we had the two guys. Patrick was exonerated through DNA. And so when that happened, the police started saying, well, maybe there were three guys and Patrick was the third guy. Nobody yeah. said there were three guys, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, um, the case out of New York, um, uh, um, I don't remember his name, but he was um, 15 or 16 and he, the police were talking to him about um, the rape and murder of a uh, 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 high school classmate. And oh, yeah. Yeah. they... Um, Jeffrey Deskovic, that's his name, Jeffrey Deskovic. And they interrogated him for hours and hours and hours without a parent, without a lawyer. And he finally confessed to it. Well, DNA exonerated him. And they said, well, he didn't rape her, but he killed her. Yeah. Yeah, there's 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 a uh, um, Slate initially did an article by uh, Laura Bazelon. And then she wrote a law review article called Innocence Deniers. And uh, it's really good. And, and it just talks about that phenomena of when overwhelming evidence is presented that the wrong person was convicted, the, the contortions the police and prosecutors will go through to say, no, we still got it right. It's just we, we, we were wrong about all this other stuff, but we still got it right. You know, yeah. there was actually in, in Patrick's case, there were actually three people involved. Uh, based on nothing, uh, wow. there's a pretty, there's a pretty well-known case out of uh, Lake County, Illinois. There, next door to Cook County, Chicago, where um, um, DNA actually ended up exonerating this this young, young man Juan Rivera, and um, and identifying who committed this horrible crime, and. Um, Anyway, I, the, the 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 story the police and the prosecutors came up with to justify why Juan was still guilty, and it was just through a odd series of happenings that this other man's sperm ended up on this eleven year old 
murdered and raped little girl. Uh, it, I mean, it, it's 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 really astounding. It's the sort of thing that the police and the prosecutors can come up with these ridiculous things with a straight face. If you're a defense attorney and you come up with these ridiculous things, then you're being a sleazy defense attorney. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's, it's insane. Yeah, well, um, Jeffrey did get his, his exoneration because I think the the person who who committed the crime did admit to it. Yeah. Um, after his DNA was found inside yeah. the victim. And, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm familiar with that name. I, that's, I'm, I, I, I don't know the details of that case. That's a case that's been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's been around for a long time. And it was out of New York. Um I think I know he served ten years before he his exoneration. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it, it's a nationally known case. I would think it's another obstacle for you, but like at Innocence Projects and and other uh, attor- appellate attorneys, that you can't you don't have the same. Uh, tools to investigate that the police has and the police are not investigating because the case is closed and they put someone away. And so you're left to try to both do the legal stuff and, and find out what they hid and everything, but also investigate the crime. Really. Yeah. It, it, yeah. We don't have the powerful bureaucracies working for us. That mm-hmm. have. Uh, and, and, you know, we can't, um, you know, strap on guns and badges and arrest people and put them in a room and interrogate them um, or, or threaten them with um, criminal sanctions as they don't tell us what, what we want them to tell us. We, we, we can't do any of those things. Um, and, and, you know, or even test the evidence without, you know, a judge allowing true. it. We, chances are we don't, we, we, we can't get unfettered access to the evidence for testing, you know, which may be which may be contested by the prosecution. Um, I mean, that's what's happening in in the McAllen case I mentioned earlier. We we don't even have access to testing um, the DNA unless we get a court order. And now that we have a court order, it's being appealed. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's well. That hap- that's happened in the West Memphis Three case too. You know, they, um, you know they. Prosecution is fighting, turning over the evidence for testing, even though the judge yeah. ordered it. That case, and, and, is a tra- that case is a travesty. I know Jason Baldwin. He's really a great guy. He is. Yes. Yes. And, and, and the same, Kathy, you mentioned earlier, the case out of Illinois, Jamie's case with all the Jit House informants. They actually had evidence. They just never tested it. Not originally, not when it was a cold case. And now they won't test it. Yeah, at all. You know, they find every step of the way to test the evidence that has never been tested because they have a conviction. So they don't think that's necessary. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it blows my mind that these people who are to be, you know, our, our justice system, they're to protect and and make sure that things are done right don't care about justice. They don't care that even though they convicted the wrong person, that the person who actually committed the crime is out there. Because they know they'll just commit another crime and they'll be back in the courtroom. Well, whatever they're thinking, yes. And and 
I, I'll say this. I, I really want to I really want to tell you how much I appreciate you covering the Desmond Rouse case, because at least at least he can have a voice. Yes. He, he can't get justice um, or, or it appears that that we're not going to be able to get justice for him through the courtrooms. But at least things like this, like this podcast, will at least give him a voice uh, in which, you know, he can tell the true story. Yes, yes. And and we want to present it in a way that, you know, people will believe him and understand. That's why we wanted to have you on. And that's why we wanted, we have um, the, um, one of the supposed victims on, um, you know, we have a recording with her. We have a recording with the parent of one of the, the victims. Um, right. So, right. you know, all good it's just, people. It's just not Desmond's word. It's right. You know, mm-hmm. um, we want to make sure that we get everybody in there. Right. We want to make sure that we present everything fairly and that we have accurate information that we're giving the public. Um, and it's not just biased. Well, I really, I really appreciate that. Well, we appreciate you. We appreciate you coming on. We actually, I am so thrilled that you took on his case and I don't think that it'll be the end of it. Hopefully. Um, I still have hopes that someone somewhere, some superhero is going to come in. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And do something. I think that's Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I I know. I know. Mike is a superhero, but. Well, thank you. But but I do think it matters to Desmond as well that more people hear his story. Mm -hmm. Because no, and and it's like we talked about earlier, the, the more heinous the accusations, the less of a voice you have. Apart from being in jail forever and getting out, you know, who's going to believe you when you have that those charges against you? Right. And and how are you going to, yeah. And how are you going to be brave enough to talk about it? Because maybe people won't believe you. And exactly. There's probably far more people that would believe it once they start investigating on their own. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Please check back next week. And if you'd like to, please give us a rating on the platform you're listening to us from and give us a follow. And feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. See you next week.